0: Welcome to BlockStars, Ripple's podcast that features leaders and developers in crypto and blockchain to discuss the latest trends, technologies, and the real-world problems being solved. I'm your host, Ripple CTO, David Schwartz. In this episode, we're going to shift our focus to the importance of community in the Web3 ecosystem. We'll explore how communities drive innovation, collaboration, and adoption in the blockchain space, and how thriving developer communities foster development. I'm pleased to be sitting down with a couple of developer community pioneers, Scott Branson, longtime member of the XRP Ledger Ecosystem, and David Piccieri, who recently launched XRPL Commons, an open-source, not-for-profit initiative based in Paris. Welcome to Blockstars. It's great to have you both here. Thank you for having me. Really glad I'm here. Thank you so much for having us all. I really appreciate it. Scott, we've been working together for a while, and you do the important work of running critical infrastructure for the XRP Ledger Ecosystem. Tell us more about your role with the Foundation and as an educator.
1: So my formal role with the foundation is an advisor for social and educational outreach. And I end up spending a good amount of time engaging with universities and different educational venues uh, to provide content to people interested in engaging with the XRP Ledger. Additionally, too, to engage universities in meeting objectives that the foundation has. You know, so we might need a little bit of software or code or firmware or whatever it is developed. Uh, and our university partners are really well positioned to provide that. Outside of working with universities, too, I really spend a fair amount of my time engaging with different infrastructure operators, providing support, and really doing what I can to ensure that the main network, you know, stays up and running and as diverse as possible. And that the folks engaging with that on an infrastructure level have the tools and resources and support that they need uh, to be successful in running their infrastructure.
0: Good. The commons is a much newer initiative, tapping into the Paris blockchain community. Tell us more about your background and how the inception of the commons came to be. Sure. Well, I'm I'm an engineer and an entrepreneur.
2: Uh, I did a few gigs in in entrepreneurship and sold one of the companies I started to a larger one who sent me to the U.S., where I lived for a few years in San Francisco. And back in 2019, I started to dig into blockchain to understand more about what it could do for some of my clients in insurance. And then when I came back to Paris two years later, two and a half years later, I felt that uh, this was something I wanted to investigate and dig more into. And um, I started to see this opportunity of creating a, a, an entity for community building and, and doing community organization within the XRP Ledger ecosystem. I stumbled upon the, the XRP Ledger by doing research about green blockchains. And I figured like there, there's nothing like a green blockchain, but the, the data pointed to the XRP ledger as the less consuming, the, the smallest carbon footprint in, in the whole blockchain space. So this is how I started investigating it. And after meeting with a few folks in the, in the community, I realized that there was really an opportunity for me to start XRP Commons. So we incorporated about four months ago in Paris, where... I think the ecosystem is is ripe for welcoming the XRP Ledger after a long road of not showing a lot of interest into XRP Ledger. But recently, you know, I've seen signs that France is showing the way in terms of regulation and and giving clarity for crypto investors and crypto
0: entrepreneurs. And and Paris felt like the the good place to, to start commons. So regardless of which blockchain and what project, community is going to play a significant role in Web3 and has played a significant role in the development of blockchains, and it has shaped the success of projects. The unique characteristics of these communities has an impact on the innovation, decentralization, and adoption, and you can't have decentralized governance without a community. Scott, how does the XRP Ledger's decentralized nature contribute to its resilience and security, and how does the XRP Ledger Foundation support and promote this decentralization?
1: So really, in my mind, the security of the XRP ledger and the resilience of the XRP ledger are in pretty much entirely based on its decentralization. You know, there's other aspects that contribute to that, having, you know, effective programmers working on it and reviewing the code. But really the core security and resilience of the network is in the fact that there's hundreds of different nodes serving copies of the network all over the world. So even if one of my full history servers goes down, it's very very easy, you know, if somebody needed to query their account balance, you know, they can just use a server provided by, you know, Ripple, the XRP Ledger Foundation. You know, the commons are going to be running, I think, infrastructure here soon as well. You know, so so having that decentralization, you end up with something where there's really not a single point of failure. You might have times when an exchange goes offline because their infrastructure is offline. But that doesn't mean that anyone using the ledger is really impacted outside of just those exchange users. Anyone else can still use other servers or other nodes to submit transactions and engage with the ledger. So really, the decentralization uh, has been a long journey, but I think it's contributed and, and grown tremendously, you know, the resiliency and strength of the network.
0: So what does the XRPL Foundation do to support development and usage of the XRP ledger?
1: So, I mean, a multiplicity of different things. It's really uh, front of our, our mindset a lot of the time. You know, we we keep a very close eye on the network, ensure that things are functioning as expected. Uh, we actively work with and engage with other server operators. You know, to like I said earlier, to make sure they have the resources that they need. Of course, we also publish a copy uh, of a suggested unique node list, right, that others can subscribe to to decide which validators on the network are really trustworthy that have a long you know reputation. and and are geographically decentralized and running in diverse data centers and so forth. So we do quite a bit to actually, you know, engage with the network, curate the network, you know, not in any kind of centralized way, but in terms of, of just making sure that there's quality there.
0: The blockchain space is constantly evolving. Is it
1: important for the foundation to stay adaptable and keep the XRP ledger relevant and never changing landscape? Uh, that's a very, very interesting question. To be honest, David, I think that there's a really a balance there. You know, I can only speak for myself, not necessarily the entire foundation. But uh, certainly, there's a need to keep the ledger relevant, and at the same time, I think that we need to remember that we have a very, very, very robust network that's extremely effective and efficient at doing what it was designed. To. So you're going to have financial institutions, you're going to have other potential players, right, that aren't used to moving at the speed of light, and then on the other side of that, you're going to have you know, going back a year, people that wanted NFT projects looking now, you know, people that are excited about AMM and other upcoming features too. So I think there really is that balance between making sure that we have very high quality amendments, very robust code and a very strong, secure network that isn't springing a lot of different changes on developers while simultaneously making sure, you know, that it is, it's a relevant blockchain that's able to fill, you know, the functions that businesses demand.
0: Yeah, I've found that balance is exceptionally challenging for two reasons. One of them is a lot of the value of blockchains and decentralized systems is that you can rely on them to operate next year the same way they operate today. And of course, that's intention with trying to remain relevant and trying to keep up with changes in technology. And the other one is sometimes new features impose costs on users and the people who pay the costs aren't always the same as the people who get the benefits. It's kind of easy to make a decision when you know all the advantages and disadvantages and you're the only one affected. You can just say, do the advantages outweigh the disadvantages. It's harder when the set of people who experience the advantages and the set of people who experience the disadvantages are different people. It's quite quite challenging. David, uh, tell us more about the XRPL Commons as an open source not-for-profit initiative. How does the XRPL Commons encourage community participation and collaboration nurturing the XRP Ledger ecosystem? Well, XRPL Commons tries to
2: create the conditions for developers and entrepreneurs to succeed in the XRP Ledger ecosystem. And by succeed, I mean finding clients, finding customers, solving real-world issues, putting their talents into and their energy into the right place. And everything we do, we do with the community, with community members. We're just trying to you know, be the face of some of the community members who have things to say or things to do and and try to catalyze their energy. So the the first thing we do for the community is we're working on knowledge and uh, creating learning journeys for developers. Uh, We're curious about the, the, the example ledger, and we do that through multiple programs. So the first one is working with universities, starting here in France and scaling that to Europe soon. Starting September, we'll be teaching in four different universities: blockchain and XRP ledger. And you know, this comes from a very top-down approach of universities having pressure uh, to to train engineers and uh, and students on everything blockchain. As the European Commission has has uh, reported, there's a, a skill gap in Europe, and I think it's the same in the US and in, in Asia there's a huge skill gap on blockchain. And so the students are also asking for qualitative trainings from the university and they want to graduate, including in in blockchain space. So we're helping universities to design curriculum classes and to train teachers who already have some kind of background, either in IT, computer science or in finance. We're helping them to get the part that they don't have today, which is Blockchain and, and you know, XRP Ledger is really, really a good entry door for students because they can start coding with the, the language they already know. They don't have to learn a new language. So within the time frame of, you know, a semester, they can already deliver great projects. We also have online learning where we're working with community members to produce content for the community. So it's by the community, for the community, to address key questions that keep coming back about the XRP ledger or about the infrastructure or about the governance or you know multiple questions that keep being asked on Discord and other channels. So we're trying to put online really good material made by the community so it can be hosted somewhere. Uh, and then here in Paris, in our physical location, we have a classroom. It's basically a classroom where we host every other month a training for experienced blockchain developers who just want to you know, get a sense of how they could engage with XRP Ledger, what they could use XRP Ledger for in their next project. And so the last we had was uh, uh, in, in early July. We had 20 developers coming here for two days. And the good thing is everything we, we did during this training has been recorded and will be made available online a bit later. That's the first part. That's the entry door for us to the example ledger. The second part, which is one of the conditions of success for me, is getting corporations, institutions interested in understanding what blockchain can do for them. That's what's going to trigger orders and opportunities for developers in our community. And so we're trying to have conversations with executive committees, boards, to teach them and raise awareness about blockchain and how it what it it could do for their organizations. Uh, And basically, we are convinced that we entered the, the crisis of trust the last few years, and that. There's, there's a a clear opportunity for blockchain to be not the solution, but part of the solution that could uh, reverse that, that, that crisis. Hopefully find a, find a solution to that crisis. So working with C levels in large organizations help us get the message across the board. And lastly, the last part we're, we're working on is the community. So creating programs for entrepreneurs, developers and, and future startups. To engage with the, with the community at, at a broader scale. The first program we're launching is called the Aquarium. It's a residency much inspired by an art residency where we invite project owners and developers to spend three months here in Paris, hosted, you know, travel is paid for, accommodation is paid for, they get a stipend to live here in Paris. So we can be very inclusive and not, you know, just work with the people that are here, but extend invitation to every bright developers who show interest to the program. And every three months we'll change the topic we're working on. So the first topic for October to December will be regeneration, whether that's farming, education, developing local financial systems, and, and empowering local economies. For th- that's the topic we're uh, trying to participate to or contribute to for the first uh, residency. The the next one in January will be about IP, intellectual property. And then along 2024, we have many ideas. We want to work on energy. We want to work on on decentralized identity. And other ideas will will come along. So in a nutshell, and that's a long one,
0: uh, these are the programs we're working on. I love working with universities. Uh, When Ripple first contacted universities a couple of years ago now, they, we we had professors who told us that like if they had students who wanted to work on things like AI or machine learning they knew hundreds of resources for them but they had nothing like no resources for people who wanted to work on blockchain and that's a great that's a great way to attract talent what have your experiences been like. Well,
2: universities are amazing partners in, in the way that, you know, their institutions there, they, they can scale uh, anything you give them. They can scale it to, you know, hundreds of students, thousands of students. Right now we're working with a network of technological universities in France to design the curriculum for blockchain. And this network holds 150 technical universities training thousands and thousands of engineers and, and, and uh, future developers. The good thing about that is we do it once. Uh, with this, with the network, and then the message gets spread out. The other really good thing about universities is that they have students, and students, uh, you know, they, they do not take no for an answer. So in France, the, the, the students' organization and, and, and student associations have got together uh, in a network called a Cryptosphere. It's a it's a network of association of blockchain association throughout the whole academic ecosystem. They have more than 800 members who are actively working to organize meetups, uh, hackathon, and they also teach. So whenever there's no clear curriculum provided by the university itself, the student association shows up and organizes classes. And I think it's a bit of the same in other countries I've been working with. Germany has the same uh, kind of organization, Spain too, the UK too. I'm sure Scott, you've seen the same in the US Working with students' association is amazing because you get the energy of people really craving for content and
0: learning. So um, either or both of you, um, what about the importance of events like APEX or hackathons? Are those critical community building?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, having been to several apexes now, a few apexes now, I guess there's only been three of them, but it's, it's a great opportunity for people to get together to actually be able to network with one each, you know, one another. One of the priorities, you know, kind of that the XRP Ledger Foundation emphasizes is is how can we connect different projects, right? How can we get different people to utilize the code, the technology, whatever it is, right? That other projects are building on, you know, ZUM Wallet being a great example, or or Bitfrost. Connect, um, BitFrost Wallet rather, you know, that, that Tua Labs puts out, right? If other projects can link into those, it can really expedite their development timeline because they've already got a functional wallet. They don't have to reinvent the wheel kind of thing. And there's so many different, I think, examples of that in this space and having the opportunity to network really just brings a lot more energy, a lot more clarity to what people are working on. And also those opportunities for collaboration, working efficiently and saving time. Just beyond that, it's a blast too. You know, those events are really a lot of fun. It can be kind of stressful doing things like running infrastructure on a decentralized network. You know, there's 34 validators. You've got to have the vast majority of them online, you know? So it's nice to be able to have some time to unwind and get support as well as, uh, you know, engage in the more business side of things.
0: Well, Scott just brought up something very controversial, so I have to ask David's opinion on it. Bifrost? Beef roast? Beef frost. <laughs> <laughs> Well, from, from my French perspective, it would be beef roast.
2: <laughs> uh, but, and to be Sorry, like, you want to comment on events. Yeah, David. yeah, yeah, yeah. About, about events, um, I think hackathons are you know really instrumental in tr- into growing the community. Very recently, I can I can share that, that story with you. We we were hosting a hackathon during the Paris Blockchain Week, and there there were three tracks. I'm not going to name the other tracks, but our track started with, you know, I think four or five teams. And because we've, we were very intentional into making this hackathon meaningful, so we brought in people from the community, experienced developers who could act as mentors, who stayed over the the whole hackathon. And I mean, like, you know, day and night. We brought, you know, good food. We had we had a g- pretty good mood. The, the, the ambiance was high uh, in our space. So other teams from other tracks <laughs> showed up and said like, oh, we don't know about... XMP Ledger too much, but I think we would like to be in, within this community. And the great story about it is that the, one of the, the teams that had never heard of XMP Ledger before, or ne- at least never experienced it before, built something really, I think, really innovative during this hackathon. And they stayed within within the reach of the community for a few months and, and they applied for a grant later on. And they just uh, were awarded a a grant to build a ring signature, so sort of a zero-knowledge proof without any zero-knowledge proof infrastructure on XRP Ledger. So I found it amazing that people who randomly stumbled upon XRP Ledger during a hackathon suddenly became so interested by it that they wanted to apply for a grant and and bring innovation. That's really pure innovation. I don't think that anyone before had had done it within our ecosystem. So these events are really instrumental. And also for us, I mean, for the teams at Commons, you know, spending two, three days with, with developers who usually are young, usually have a lot of energy, don't sleep much. You certainly understand why you're doing it, uh, who are the people you're going to build it with in the in the next uh, months, maybe years. The whole point of, of these uh, events are to broaden the community. Then the challenge is how you keep them around you, how these projects uh, which some are really meaningful, stay within the range of the community, and you, you become a sticky community. And for that, I think uh, Ledger, you know, Ledger, it's not a, a, a new community. It's, when I introduce XMP Ledger to, to people, I usually say that it's an, it's an old blockchain. It's been in the, in the space for longer than most of the others. And so the community is really well-structured. It's still very decentralized, but people have, are super supportive to newcomers uh, and especially newcomers who are dedicated, who show interest, who show new ideas. And usually people come and ask a random questions on, on one of the channels they can reach the community on. And they're like, who should I talk for this? And the, the answer that comes is like, ask a clear question because there's no team that's dedicated to supporting you. We're all you know, volunteering within the community because we're using the, the technology. We feel that you could be a new addition to the community. We want to help you. Just ask a question. And on top of the documentation and all the learning material that's already out there, I think the community does a really good job at, at helping each other, uh, lending a hand when
0: people need, need it. I've seen a bit of a chicken and egg problem sometimes where developers are interested in working in a particular technology, but they either don't have good ideas of what to build or they don't have financial support. And then there's people who have ideas or who have money and then they can't find developers who are familiar with the technology. Is that is that a kind of problem that things like grants or accelerators or matchmaking? What kind of techniques can help with that?
1: On my side, I really lean towards the matchmaking. I mean, there's certainly grants and accelerators and opportunities like that. You know, accelerators can be incredibly useful for people needing to get coding quickly. Um, but really, if I may kind of broadly stereotype, right? There's somewhat of a personality difference, for example, between a typical venture capitalist or an entrepreneur and and someone who's who's completely dedicated to developing right a C++ coder or someone like that being able to bring those personalities together i think is is one of the most potent things that we can really do to help foster A really strong, resilient, diverse ecosystem that has projects that really have the support that they need. You know, at the end of the day, I've seen quite a few projects get grants, and I've seen many of them benefit enormously from those grants and bootstrap amazing, amazing work off of them. Um, But at the same time, a grant alone, like David, you know, used the phrase sticky community, a grant doesn't bring a sticky community, right? It's just one element that might draw somebody in the door. Absolutely. And I would add, you know, there are several kinds of developers. The
2: magical developer was also an entrepreneur and a visionary and a very, a very good operation <laughs> manager. And it's one of a kind. It's like the unicorn. I think we have a few in the community, to be honest, but this is not a typical developers. Developers tend to be coming at the end of the chain. Like we have an ID, we find, we find the resources we need to develop this ID, and then we hire developers. So developer can either start within the realm of a startup or a larger organization, but they, they're just hired to do the job that someone decides. On the other side of the spectrum, you have developers who are totally independent and really want to work and, and get into the community. They just don't have the idea and the vision for a startup. What we're trying to do at the moment is working with the community to create a backlog of open source IDs. Anyway, any, every, everything we do is open source. So... Publishing a backlog of IDs that any developer could tap into, whether for a hackathon, for a bootcamp, or just for, you know, working on your weekends on an ID you want to develop and maybe grow into a startup. And so sharing this this backlog of ID that I invite the community to to participate to is for me one way to engage more developers in using XRP ledger and entering the community. But to make the, the community sticky and sustainable, I would add this word sustainable. We need to have paying customer. We need to have large organizations, you know, putting in the money to develop larger solutions. And I was surprised to see that in France, some major uh, institutions are currently working on, on developing blockchain infrastructure to run proof of concept about identity, to create a trustable network of documents for uh, administration, for instance. Uh, there's there's a, a project in production right now in France that allows any bank to query a chain to see if your invoices are are valid are correct and so these are in you know, a very innovative solutions these I would say there are there are a few not a lot but a few of these institutions are sort of uh, you know an island they're they're
0: lost somewhere in the ocean I want to I want to go there and build bigger islands and that's what we are trying to do so what is the XRPL ecosystem doing badly or what are other blockchains doing better or what are we missing let's Let's try to be a little critical here.
1: That's a good question. I mean, really, I think it kind of goes back again to having that balance between, you know, Rapid development, growth, incorporating features that other blockchains are bringing on, and having that same you know core stability that that appeals to businesses and enterprises. Right, like David said, at the end of the day, it's going to be those business and enterprise use cases that really drive the network forward. You know, that drive use forward and eventually get us to that place where maybe the XRP ledger is kind of a seamless background aspect in people's lives that they don't even really know you know is existing or or is handling part of their you know daily business as it. So there's always I. Think, think things that we could do better. There's always ways that we could be stronger. I consistently try to point out, you know, if something's not going well, we've had challenges in the past, for example, around infrastructure and latency in the network causing uh, some challenges, you know, in terms of transactions, for example, being gossiped around the network, you know, so being able to talk about those candidly as a community and say, hey, the network isn't absolutely perfect right now. We're having some, some challenges. It's relatively minor. Maybe people are still using it. Everything's still completely functional, right? But if we can actually come together and and really be candid about the fact that, you know, indeed there are weaknesses on this network. There are challenges. You know, like you said earlier, uh, David Schwartz, there's there's potential disconnect between the end users and the infrastructure operators, right? So being able to find ways to build those bridges, I think, can be very, very beneficial. But those are real challenges that I think require, you know, serious, candid conversations, you know, and and if any kinds of bugs or issues or, or things of that nature come up, you know, it's very important that we be able to address them and talk about them. And I actually think that's historically one of the strength areas is, for example, people like the Foundation uh, Commons and Ripple being able to express different points of views, different perspectives, you know, when we do have these challenges. Um, So having diverse voices in the room too, I think really helps with that. I think that was more kind of a summary of the strengths of the community than weaknesses or challenges. I guess right now it it feels a little bit to me like things are kind of smooth sailing. So I'm hoping to to keep it that way.
2: I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, and you know I think the community is really good at solving its own problems. That discussion can happen. That point of views can be expressed. I would say I'm younger. I'll say in the in the community, and I, I I've studied and I've also worked in, in different chains before, and I see that we're really good at bringing innovation in a very stable and safe way. And the time it took for the community to build new features like NFTs, for instance, but we did that as a community without any hurdle or any major hack or major bottleneck on the network, which I think is, you know, a sign that example Ledger is built for business. It's built for stability. So bringing innovation at a at a very safe space, we do it really well. Bringing radical innovation like other chains can do by creating monsters, you know, with like multiple tentacles, multiple organizations within the organizations. I think for now, we, we, we still don't do it, but that's something we could in, in a near future experiment. A chain like Ethereum, what, what Ethereum is doing, you know, creating multiple innovation labs or innovation groups working independently on different parts of the protocol, I think is a way to bring radical innovation. Another thing we could do better, I say that with a lot of respect, <laughs> is that we have amazing people in the community that we don't leverage enough. And I want to shoot out here for the work that, that Uber is doing and, and led by Lauren uh, Weymouth. She's put together a network of researchers who are working on XRP Ledger and interoperability with other chains and real, real world applications. They're not seen enough. I mean, to my to my point of view, or to my knowledge, we could tap more into this this network of researchers. These, these people are really involved and committed to their research, and I, I, I don't see them often in in the more general communication or, or uh, discussion channels. And I'm sure other uh, you know other developers are working on on in their own space and and not getting involved with the community. So uh, one thing we could probably work on is how to tap more into this potential of, of talents uh, that is already there.
1: I, I mean, I would add on to that too. You, you've got so much diversity, I guess, just the fact that we're saying, you know, the word community, that's a very amor- amorphous term, you know, and, and, and- there's different XRP Ledger communities all over the world, you know, uh, on every different continent, pretty much every different country, even, you know, at this point in time. And so I think too, one of the the weaknesses, kind of like David's saying, is there is real potential for those smaller communities to get lost, right? Like several years ago, I started working with more, more folks in Japan, you know, that were developing on the XRP Ledger. And unfortunately, you know, a contact that I had over there, I, I kind of lost touch with them. And, you know, I've since kind of I don't really have any idea or not that much of an idea of what's happening you know, with the XRP Ledger in Japan, despite the fact that there is a lot of active development and a lot of people working on that over there. So
0: for those that are new, either to the XRP Ledger community or Web3 entirely, what are some of the resources that are available to them, Scott?
1: Oh, goodness. Uh, I guess it really depends on where a person wants to start, how they're coming in. Uh, if somebody is an experienced developer or system administrator, you know, of course, GitHub is going to be a really, really good resource. And the documentation as well that's on xrpl.org is going to be a terrific resource for someone coming in with a bit more development experience. I really encourage anyone to read that documentation. I mean, it's got a lot of gems in There, you know, for example, you can you can kind of exploit the network. We've seen exchanges uh, get exploited and bridges using like a partial payments exploit. You know that is documented on xrp.l.org. So it's very important that newcomers review that documentation if they're actually building and developing things. For folks that aren't necessarily seasoned developers, there's a lot of other resources as well. There's tons and tons of community resources where people can actually engage face to face, ask questions. Discord is one, for example. Ripple runs a Discord. The XRP ledger foundation. For example, Daniel, uh, one of our, our employees is very, very active in providing support, you know, within the discord there. And, um, you know, there's other similar forums. There's a lot of people on Twitter, Reddit. You know, other kind of similar communities there. Mm-hmm. You know, also on xrpl.org for folks that are a little bit less. You know, on on kind of the developer end of things, and for developers as well. You know, there's reflection blogs highlighting different projects. You know, on a routine basis. Uh, there's also a job board on the website there. Uh, you know, and, and a bunch of other useful things for community members to get engaged with. We have a community ambassador program as well that the foundation runs. You know, so you can get connected with that. We need to update that webpage on xrpl.org. But if you want to engage with those ambassadors, potentially become an ambassador, you know, they're, they're a really good resource for, you know, kind of the foundation's vision behind the ambassador program is, you know, how can we have faces and points of contact if an enterprise or business wants to start building on the XRP ledger, you know, where they can just get in touch with a face and start getting the resources that they need quickly. So there's really tons and tons of different venues out there ranging from, you know, do you want to actually engage in a dialogue with someone? through? Do you want to sit quietly at home and read documentation and just, you know, type away at a terminal, Uh, whatever it is that suits you, you know, you can find a resource to actually engage with it.
2: And I would, I would add, you listed most of them. Um, and we did, we did a, a, you know, a little research work on our side and tried to list all the learning material that were available online to learn about XRP Ledger. We, we came up with a list of uh, more than 100 lines. And so this is really spread out, but as in XRPL.org is the, the entry door for anyone who really wants to learn and connect. We're adding to that, uh, a YouTube channel that will centralize. MOOCs, online classes, tutorials, recipes, you know, builders sharing information on how to how to get started with XRP Ledger or how to run your first node or like a lot of material that's produced by the community itself will be centralized on, on the Commons YouTube channel. Another piece of content we're working on at the moment is called the Community Report, the Quarterly Community Report. We're still trying to find a, a title to this Quarterly Community Report but basically providing new and insights about the protocol itself, about coming amendments, but also trying to put a face on the people who are building on accepted Ledger. I think that's really an important part of belonging to a community. We mentioned earlier what a, a sticky community is. I think a sticky community rewards and praises the people who are making who make them who make the community up. So um, you know, interviewing people. We're building on XRP Ledger, understanding better why they're building on XRP Ledger and, and, and what's the intent of their project. And uh, probably after
0: Apex, we'll be will be releasing the first uh, the first uh, report. So you mentioned Apex, something that hasn't come up before. Uh, how about how about suggesting people show up in person at Apex if they're interested in uh, participating in the community? That would be amazing. You know, last
2: year I attended Apex, and it was for me the best possible way to enter the the community. I met so many people, started to understand better you know, concept that you read online, suddenly they they you hear people talking about about them, you can ask questions. People come with a very open mind and people really want to meet other members. So of course you have core contributors who all know each other because they've been contributing for a decade. But other, you know, newcomers who Come with new IDs uh, and have been active on Twitter or Discord. Suddenly, you, you know, you can put a face on a nickname or handle, and that's very powerful. And I can share my story. But at the end of the three days of Apex, uh, I had befriended, you know, a lot of people there, and and I was really pumped for the the idea I was pushing with comments. So I would I would encourage anyone who's you know not too far from Amsterdam to come and and spend a few days there during
0: Apex. And so that's September 6th through the 8th at the Leonardo Royal Hotel in Amsterdam. I know I know, all three of us are going to be there in person. Scott, what are you excited about?
1: What am I not excited about? I'm really, really stoked. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I just love learning about all the different projects. I love hearing about what everyone's working on. I, For me, it's really, really exciting to kind of have that opportunity to be able to introduce more people to each other and, you know, help them benefit from one another's projects. So I guess really I'm most excited to see what everyone's been working on, but also to just spend time with the community as well.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited. Two jam packed days of XRP ledger related sessions. It's going to be super exciting. We have a special offer for our listeners a 25% discount on Apex registration. Just go to apexdevsummit.com, apexdevsummit.com, and enter the promo code Blockstars25, all lowercase, no spaces, at checkout. So we're almost out of time. I always like to torture my guests. This gives me great pleasure by making them get out their crystal balls because I hate when podcast hosts ask me to get out my crystal ball. we got to do it. Scott, David, what are your predictions for the future of Web3 and communities? What developments, challenges, opportunities, um, how the community going to evolve with the tech? What, what do you guys foresee? Well, if I, if I may start... um I foresee that XRP Ledger
2: will be widely studied, if not adopted, by large organizations. I, this is the intuition I get from the, the conversation I'm having at the moment. We're entering, as commons, we're entering uh, in different organizations and associations, and the, convers- the, the level of the conversation we have is a clear differentiator for me. The 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 idea of running infrastructure starts to starts to emerge from potential partners. I think the, the one thing that we, we didn't touch on, but is clearly was not a good selling point, maybe two, three, four years ago, is now clearly a good selling point, for example, Ledger, which is there's no incentive for operators. So if you run a node, you don't get any reward. You don't make money out of running infrastructure. And, you know, the crypto space is not where it was two, three years ago. And so with the with the tide going going back what's what's left on the on the shore is projects that are meaningful that are visionary that really want to invest on their own infrastructure and um, this is the level of the conversation we're having at the moment so if i can foresee maybe not 10 years from now but maybe 2 3 years from now would be example ledger being adopted by core public institutions running their own infrastructure interacting with the example ledger ecosystem
1: Kind of similar. I think for me, my biggest prediction or hope, however you want to phrase it, is that people forget about blockchain and the XRP ledger. It's not discussed. It's not part of everyday life. It's not something that people are trying to wrap their heads around, right? We've gotten to a point where nobody cares at all how a cell phone works. All they care about is can they look up things on the cell phone? Can they text people? Can they make phone calls? You don't need to have really in depth technical knowledge. And I'm hoping as we move forward and more businesses and enterprises and universities, for that matter, continue adopting and researching and engaging with the technology, that we really get to a place where it's seamless in people's lives. You know, whether that's moving money across borders or within borders, having NFTs that represent different assets, you know, whatever that may be people don't need to necessarily know they're using the xrp ledger or any blockchain for that matter to benefit from the increased security you know the resilience all those other benefits that really really come with it so my hope is that a lot of the conversations and my prediction is a lot of the conversations you know we're having today about how is this going to get adopted you know what's going to happen moving forward are going to be largely irrelevant you know hopefully here in just a very short period of time too it really has been you know and and my opinion since i got into this you know in 2012 2013 there's been a monstrous shift you know in terms of enterprises very quietly engaging with the technology and doing it in a way you know that it's very professional and 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 beneficial to them personally rather than being you know kind of a smoke and mirror show
0: i'm into that (laughs) that's our time i'd like to thank my guests scott branson from the xrpl foundation and david butchiri from the xrpl commons Thank you, David. Thank you so much. Thank you both for joining me today. Again, it was a pleasure hosting you on Ripple's podcast, Blockstars. Looking forward to seeing both of you in person at Apex soon. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. And don't forget to use code BLOCKSTARS25 for 25% off at Apex Registration, where you can meet all three of us in person and uh, come back with some insights to scale your project or just understand more of what's going on. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me on Twitter, at JoelKatz, J-O-E-L-K-A-T-Z. And remember to follow at RippleXDev on Twitter to keep up with the latest industry news, technical updates, and cool new developer projects in the community. See you around the blockchain.